0: As you're able, if you'll please stand for the reading of God's Word. We're reading Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Listen carefully, for this is the Word of God. "...put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other... singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, as we turn now to the preaching of Your Word, would You please move by Your Spirit. Uh, Father, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Well, Lord willing, we're finishing our our series this morning on Colossians 3, 12 through 17. And we've been talking about how uh, in Christ we are new people. We are not who we once were. And now God calls us to live out whom we have become in Christ, especially in the context of God's people. And so we've talked about these virtues that we are meant to put on, not, not just to stop sinning, not just to put off our old sinful desires in nature, but to put on these new godly virtues like compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and pursuing peace. You know, Even when we really want to put these things on, it's really hard, isn't it? I mean, I don't always desire that which is good. That's because I have a sinful heart and so do you. But even when I desire that which is good, it's still hard to do that which is good. Sometimes I desire to have a good attitude, and I've got to fight tooth and nail to make that happen. So are there things that we can do practically to help us to put sin to death and to live to righteousness? Well, yes. Yes, there are. As we establish godly rhythms... In our life, on a daily basis, God enables us to walk closer with Him as we put sin to death and, and put on righteousness. And this morning, I want to talk about a twofold rhythm rhythms of God's Word and the rhythms of worship, and how vital these are in our daily lives to grow in godliness and to put away those things which are unhelpful. You know, rhythms are important in life. We all have rhythms we go through on a Sunday morning, on a work morning, right? The shower I take keeps me from being smelly, right? The razor I use uh, keeps me from looking scruffy. The coffee I drink makes me somewhat delightful to be with, right? Don't do it before then, Uh, The iron and the ironing board make me somewhat presentable. The car I drive gets me here, right? Without each of these ingredients or rhythms on a daily life, our work and our lives are hindered. And it's the same way in our daily walk in righteousness that when we establish godly rhythms, it helps a lot. Well, first, let's talk about rhythms of the word. Paul begins in verse 16 by saying, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is a great prayer for your children. This is a great prayer for yourself and for your church. and That the, Lord, that the word of Christ would dwell richly in my heart. What is the word of Christ? Well, uh, it's in short, it's the words of Christ uh, that he said and words about Christ. And we learn in Luke 24 that all the Bible is about Jesus. And so this is the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation. That the Bible, that the Word of God, would dwell richly in my heart. You you know, one of the benefits that I really enjoy, and we talked about this in our um, youth Sunday school this morning, is that the Bible gives us a daily rhythm of correction. Daily rhythm of correction. Because I'm convinced in my heart most days that my life is about me. And when we begin the day in God's Word, it reminds us early in our day that my life is not about me. In fact, as one theologian put it, this world was created for the glory of another and another not being me. You know, when we have that conviction and we get to repent, Lord, I'm sorry, I've made my life all about me again and my desires and my agenda, um, it also brings freedom to life. You know, through the Word of God, we are brought into freedom. God desires us to be, to live in freedom. Christ has set us free. Therefore, we're not to resubmit ourselves, our lives, back to the yoke of slavery. And when we come to the Word of God, it helps us not live in slavery to ourselves. Each and every day. And I need that morning correction. And when I don't get it, or, or I do the, have you ever done the, man, i got to check this thing off. You know, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I've done my Bible study today. Uh, when, when, when those things happen, I find that in my life, it's an uphill climb. You know, the, the Word of Christ is sweet. Sweeter than honey itself. Because it contains the gospel message that we need to be reminded of every day. The gospel is not just for our conversion. It is for our daily life. As one commentator put it, the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity, but the A2Zs of Christianity. We need to be reminded every day because here's the thing. So oftentimes we find our significance in, we look for our satisfaction in things other than Jesus, like our accomplishments or my relationships, or the things that I haven't done that other people have, or how much better I am than that guy down the street or my coworker. Instead of finding our peace in Christ and having that daily sticky note. I love sticky notes. They keep me going throughout the day. They remind me of important things. Having that daily sticky note of the Word and of the gospel message that my salvation, my significance, my righteousness is in Jesus and what He has done for me and not what I have done. Have you ever listened to the radio and and heard a song that begins with the drummer laying down the beat? You know what I'm talking about, right? And so the drummer, he lays down the beat and and he's going to set, you know, which beat's going to get the emphasis, so which time signature we're talking about. He's going to set the tempo and the rhythm, and he's going to set the, the tone for the whole song. Is this a slow dance song or a victory song after a touchdown? A lot of times you can tell just by those couple measures of that drum beat. And he's going to set the rhythm for the rest of it. And then the other instruments come in. And, and then the soloist comes in uh, you know, about 30 seconds later. But throughout the whole song, you have the drummer laying down the rhythm, laying down the beat, and everything else hangs off of that rhythm. And if He changes that rhythm, it changes the whole thing. It's a train wreck. What are the rhythms of our lives? What are those things that we are allowing to establish the beat of our daily lives? See, Christ is meant to be the drumbeat from which every other part of our lives finds its driving rhythm. And without that rhythm, without Christ found through the Word of God on a daily basis, our lives can just drift along. And we have an anchor, but we, we've let it slide. The anchor's still there deep in the, deep in the soil, but we've let our, uh, our anchor line have way too much slack, and we drift away into the current. See, the word of God is to dwell richly in us. I love, there's just a great play on words here. The Greek word uh, translated as dwell is, is the verbal form of house, okay? So it's like dwell and dwelling. You dwell in your dwelling. The idea is that the word of God would set up house in our hearts, that it would unpack its things in order to stay, that it would have such a permanent residency there that it could file for a homestead exemption, right? That's how much the word would dwell richly in our hearts, and not just in the mother-in-law cottage in the back, but permeating every part of our lives. We might put it a different way, along the same real estate lines. Um, We went down to uh, Destin yesterday to spend the day as a family, and Uh, We went to uh, the best store in the world. Do you know what the best store in the world is? Bass Pro Shops. That's right. Uh, Yeah. I mean, just warms my heart. Just warms my heart and drains my bank account. Uh, Okay, but you know, you have this, you go down over the toll road before you get to the main beach road, and there's there's Mecca. I'm sorry, uh, there's uh, the Bass Pro Shops, right? And you shouldn't say Mecca in a Christian service, should you? There's, there's Bass Pro Shops, I repent. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, if Bass Pro Shops were to leave, what would it do to that shopping center? It would completely destroy it. Because it's called an anchor store. And an anchor store draws people like me to that property. Hopefully that I might also eat supper and buy something else. Um, you know, when you're planning a strip mall... Not everything gets the same amount of attention. Not every place gets the same amount of square footage. What is the anchor store of your soul? What has set up dwelling in the largest place in your soul? Is it Jesus? Because here's the thing. If you put the wrong store in the anchor spot, right? If you put a Dollar General there in the Bass Pro Shops uh, building that's not going to do any good, is it? As good as Dollar General is. But it wouldn't draw everybody. Bad things would happen. And when we set up in our hearts an anchor store being something other than Jesus, it creates great problems. Is the Word of God dwelling richly in your heart? Because when it does, there's great impact in our hearts. And this is because of Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When we come to the Word of God, we aren't reading, there's no other book like it. We've talked about this last week with the church. There's no analog to the church, there's nothing like the church. There's nothing like the Word of God. Other books have print, right? Other books are sold on Amazon. None of them are like the Word of God. It's not one among many. It is living and active. It is God's inerrant, inspired, and infallible Word. And it is His Word to you. And when we come to it in faith, the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside. Just just as we need nutrients in life to live and to grow. Someone was showing me today a picture of their uh, 12-week-old lab, I think, or 15-week-old lab. And y'all, that lab is huge at 15 weeks. It must hurt to grow that fast. And how, fa- how did it grow so fast? By eating a lot. And if it had not et- eaten a lot, et, if it had not ate a lot, <laughs> Lord help us, uh, then it would not be a healthy lab. Nor would we be healthy believers if we don't have a daily diet. Of God's Word. But you know when, so remember the context of our passage is not just individual, it is individual, but it's individual and its impact on God's people. So we're not who we once were, we're new creations in Christ, and now we're called to live uh, who we are in Christ, especially in the context of God's people. And, y'all, our interaction with each other and its godliness, whether it's good or bad, whether we're angry at each other or forgiving each other, because we're going to sin against each other. If you hadn't been sinned against this morning, then you probably weren't looking. Okay? That's how churches work. Uh, if we're going to respond well to each other and we're going to love folks well, then it first must happen in the prayer closet. It must first happen with that cup of coffee. Because, y'all, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. And I am selfish, and I'm prideful, and you name the rest of them. I'm sure you could, right? But here's the thing. If I'm going to have control over those things, if I'm going to show up with a good attitude, if I'm going to show up putting your interest before mine, then I better have been talking to Jesus that morning. Because I need it so badly. And as I get older, I see my need is greater, not less. Do you? Is the word of Christ dwelling? Dwelling means an active presence. Dwelling. You know, when you have guests in your home, remember the three day rule, right? It's kind of like fish, they start smelling after three days. Uh, you know, so when people come to visit, uh, you know they're there. Even if you love them, even if you love them, you know they're there. It changes everything. Does the word of God live at your house, the house of your heart? You'll know it, and it'll change it. So corporately as a church, the Word of God must impact us individually, but it also needs to impact us uh, corporately as the church. What do I mean by that? Well, you know what we do here? We seek to know Christ and to make Him known. That is the mission statement of our church, or vision. I never can remember which one's which. You know, to know Christ and to make Him known. How do we know Christ? It's through His Word. That's why we have 30-minute sermons on Sunday morning, give or take. That's why we have Sunday schools. That's why we have Wednesday nights. That's why we have community groups. That's why we have Bible studies. Those are the places where we grow in Christ. Seek the Lord individually, but we must seek Him together because God has given to the church preachers and teachers. Now, let me tell you something. The preachers and teachers don't get you the focus. Jesus gets the focus. If a preacher or teacher is getting the focus, then we have failed. Jesus must increase and we must decrease. And it is the Word of God that is powerful and the Holy Spirit working through it that changes us. And so that's why we spend so much time talking about the Bible at our church. Christ is our only hope in this life and the next. And where do we find Him? In the Word of God. So how do we do this? Let's, let's talk practical application here. Because we need this so that we might teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. That's what verse 16 says. So we're studying it, and it has application, teaching and admonishing. How do we do this? Well, practically, first it means uh, prioritizing corporate worship. Prioritizing corporate worship. Uh, that we would sit under the preached word. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, this isn't the Parker Show. This isn't about me. This is about Jesus. That's actually why I wear a black robe. It's not just that I'm old-fashioned and a stick in the mud and I want to wear you know, a, something that makes me look pretty. It, it's, it is rather slimming. The, the reason that I wear a black robe is because it takes me out of the equation. You can't tell. You're not looking at what color tie I'm wearing. That's actually why I stopped wearing bow ties. Uh, I hate straight ties because it would pop out the top of my robe. And you know what someone said to me after the service? Parker, all I could think about was your tie and how it was crooked. And I said, well, I guess I'm done wearing bow ties. You can't tell what color shirt I'm wearing or what kind of jacket, or if my jacket even buttons, right? That's not the issue. This focus is on Jesus. Um, By the way, if you're not involved in a Sunday school, one of the best ways to grow in Christ is to join a Sunday school. There's a difference between preaching and teaching, and we need both. We need both. And if all you're getting is preaching, first of all, I'm thankful you're here. Second, I exhort you, I encourage you, get plugged into a Sunday school. We have phenomenal Sunday school teachers at this church. God has really blessed us. But, you know, consistency is really important. So let's think practically. I remember talking to little Carl McKinnish about uh, how to exercise. And I wasn't feeling well that day, and I said, should I go, should I not? I remember what he said. He said, consistency is more important than intensity. Having that daily rhythm, <laughs> that, isn't that funny, that regular <laughs> rhythm of exercise is more important than if I go 50 minutes a day on some machine or 10 minutes a day. And y'all, there that's what I would encourage you with, especially if you've gotten out of habit of spending time in God's Word on a daily basis. Go for consistency. Don't say, I'm going to start reading my Bible for an hour and a half every day. You know how many days you'll do that? One. Maybe. Uh, instead, just seek to be consistent. You can't have intensity without consistency. You can, you can grow the intensity. In fact, I'm reading the Bible so slowly right now, I've been in the Gospels for six months. Uh, it's basically paragraph by paragraph right now. Uh, and I've just loved it. Um, practically, a plan helps. A plan uh, I would encourage you that if you don't, if you're not regularly reading the Word of God, um, I would encourage you to read a gospel, a, a chapter of the Gospels a day. That's a doable goal. Luke two, you might want to split into two days. It's long. Great, go for it. Um, in 89 days, you'll have read all the Gospels. And think about how much better you would know Jesus. Three months, you can do that. You can do it. Be consistent. And if you miss a day or two or a week, You know what? That's okay. You start back. Jesus loves you. All right, so the word of Christ will only dwell in us if we dwell in it. That's the takeaway today. I'm I'm not done, but that's the takeaway. The word of Christ will only dwell in us if we dwell in it. Rhythms of word and worship. Worship. Verse 16, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, there are different ways that we can use the word worship. A lot of times when we say worship, we're just referring to singing. Uh, Biblically, that's, that's not the only thing it talks about. In fact, worship is a much bigger category. And so our whole service is a worship service. And so we are worshiping God in other ways, uh, like the reading and preaching the word, that's worship. Sacraments, the Lord's Supper and Baptism, taking vows, giving our offerings, confessing our faith and prayer. Those are all elements of worship. However, today I want to use the word both, in, in both ways. Uh, of prioritizing corporate worship together and the blessing of what normally we mean by that when we use this word, Of singing. And what a blessing both of these are. You know, when we speak of making worship a rhythm in our lives, we must first generally say that this is talking about getting together as God's people. Um, You should worship privately in your home. You should do that with your family, on your own, in your car, listening to the radio, uh, singing in the shower. Those are great things. But it's kind of like the difference between... If you're a violin, um, just a master of the violin, and you play at home, you're part of a Beethoven symphony, and it sounds gorgeous. But it was not meant just to be enjoyed on its own, was it? It, was, it is part of a larger symphony. And that's what happens when we get together as God's people. We we need each other. It's kind of like the difference between playing football in the backyard by yourself, just throwing the ball up and down in the air, and then playing with a team. Right? One is enjoyable, but the other is, is so much better. You know, when when we get together, great things happen. We encourage each other, we listen to each other, we share each other's burdens, we get to pray and we get to hear other people pray. When we are too depressed to sing we get to hear our brothers and sisters sing for us. When when we can hardly put one foot in front of the other, we get to feel the arm of our brother and sister in Christ. When we are so emotionally weary that we can't lift up our heads, the Lord blesses us in His benediction. And we get to hear the power of God and His love for us. When we feel lonely, and y'all, there are so many lonely people. You can be surrounded by people and be lonely. When we are lonely, we get to see our brothers and sisters in Christ who will be our brothers and sisters for all of eternity. And when we have joy in our hearts, we get to share it with others. And when we've had prayers answered, we get to encourage others. And when we're running in sin, God calls us back in conviction. And when we need financial help, the household of God Bands together. Older members get to disciple younger members. Younger members remind older members about zeal. Young mothers get trained up. Children get taught. Youth learn to be men and women. And the world gets to see what it means to be saved by the blood of the Lamb. We are called together as God's people. And so we gather as God's people to worship the Lord. We're so blessed with a a great music group uh, team at our church. And what a blessing music is. Um, I've heard it said that when we cry, we are expressing emotions that words cannot. And I think a music is, is a lot like that. that. That when the words get wedded to the right tune... You know, some, some songs are just like, no, that's not, that's not a good tune for that one, right? Uh, you don't want to sing of the joys of God in a somber tone, right? But when the right words get meshed up with the right music, the right tune... We are moved not just mentally, but emotionally as we return thanks and praise to our God. And so we read in verse 17-ish, is it 17 or 16? Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Commentators disagree if we can clearly delineate these things, but it is likely that psalms refer to, well, here it is, the psalms. Uh, but then hymns probably refer to a song about God and directed to God, and a spiritual song is a sacred song that talks on spiritual themes. So we have all three of these in the service today, intentionally. We'll, we'll close our service in a minute, singing the 23rd Psalm. Uh, we have sung uh, in I Love You, Lord, a hymn. It is about God and is directed to God. I love you, Lord. And then we opened our service with a spiritual song, Wonderful Words of Life, which reflects on the, the, the amazing blessing of God's Word. You know, when we sing in corporate worship, lots of things happen. It hallows God in our hearts and it allows us to worship Him. And we learn and teach each other. When we sing, we are rehearsing and re um, Uh, working down into our hearts again and again those truths which we might have known, but we are reminding ourselves and we're reminding each other. You know, we we learn about God's faithfulness when we sing number 43, Great is Thy Faithfulness. We are reminded that our hearts are prone to wander. Number two, Come Thou Found. We hear our brothers and sisters remind us that though Satan should buffet and trials may come, there is a blessed assurance that controls that Christ has regarded our helpless estate and has shed His own blood for our souls. In 493, it is well with my soul. And when we're doubting if our sins has been forgiven, 206 says there is a Redeemer. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, number 350, because Jesus saves, 306. And when we wonder if we're loved, we sing to God and to our own doubting hearts of 211, of the deep, deep love of Jesus. And when we're getting close to the end of our days, number 543 reminds us that when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And so we sing in worship. And do you know what sing means? It means sing. That's what it means. You know the old trick, watermelon? Do you know this trick? Watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. It makes it look like you're actually singing when you're not. You know, when we sing, we're to engage the body and the soul. And guess what? If you don't have a good voice, you don't have to sing. No. No. That's not what this text says. Did you know that Jesus gave you your voice? Did you know that? And he knows if you can't sing on key. And he thinks it's beautiful. It's kind of like when your children use bad grammar. You still delight to hear from them. And so when we sing with voices that aren't perfect, guess what? God gave you that voice. And he desires you to sing it, to use it. You know, when everybody sings, you you can't hear one person, so it works out real well. Well, as we conclude, uh, we have these dual rhythms of word and worship. And when these dual rhythms of word and worship are in our lives, uh, our thankfulness will increase. We need to be reminded sometimes of why we need to be thankful. And three times in three verses, 15, 16, and 17, Paul says to be thankful. And let me tell you what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for Jesus. That's what the Bible's about, and that's why we worship Him. He died in our place on the cross, taking the wrath that I deserve, that you deserve, that I might not go to hell, that I might not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. And because of the empty tomb of Easter morning, which we read about in God's precious Word, we are rushing towards a day when our faith shall be sight and our prayers will be turned into praise. And we will dwell with God in the new heavens and new earth. And what an amazing worship service that will be. And then, to God and to the Lamb, who is the great I am, while millions join the theme, I will sing, I will sing. While millions join the theme, I will sing. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to work these two rhythms of word and worship into our lives, that we might draw closer to you, be changed, and be used by you to reach others for Christ. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We'll conclude our service by singing three verses of number 50, The Lord is my shepherd, I'll not want. We'll sing verses 1, 3, and 5. 1, 3, and 5. Let's stand and sing to the glory of God.